This is Make It Okay Stories, the podcast, brought to you by the Iowa Healthy Estate Initiative. Make It Okay is a community campaign to reduce stigma by starting conversations and increasing understanding about mental illness. In this podcast, you'll hear from Iowans who want to share their personal stories of living with mental illness in an effort to reduce stigma for others. This episode features Vanessa, a Latinx woman and social worker who experiences anxiety, depression, and obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. Before we hear from Vanessa, we'd like to take a moment to thank Business Solver for supporting this podcast. Since 1998, Business Solver has delivered market-changing benefits technology and services supported by an intrinsic responsiveness to client needs. The company creates client programs that maximize benefits program investment minimize risk exposure, and engage employees with easy-to-use solutions and communication tools to assist them in making wise and cost-efficient benefit selections. Founded by HR professionals, Business Solver's unwavering, service-oriented culture and secure SaaS platform provide measurable success in its mission to provide complete client delight. Learn more and download a suite of free resources to assist you in promoting mental health in the workplace at businesssolver.com. Thank you, Business Solver. Now it's time to hear from Vanessa. Content warning, this story includes references to suicidal ideation. My name is Vanessa Canosalaya, and I am 28 years old, and I was born and raised in Des Moines. I also identify as Latinx. In our community, we do not really understand what mental health is. Our history has made us believe that those with a mental illness are locuras, Spanish for madness, craziness, and insanity. I grew up with my great-grandmother doing an egg cleanse on me when I would become anxious or scared. There's even rumors in my family that one of my family members became crazy because she was messing with a Ouija board. Asking for help in our community comes with feelings of guilt and shame. I still grew up with the mindset of, I am here to help. I do not ask for help. We also teach our children that there is nothing to be sad about and that them not wanting to be out of bed is due to pure laziness. In our community, we do not see the variety of mental illnesses, which then we do not talk about or begin to acknowledge, which leads us thinking that it does not exist in our community, but it does. Since childhood, I've always had negative thoughts always racing in my head. I remember hating myself and wishing that a doctor could give me a new brain so I could just start over with new memories and new thoughts. The thoughts were constant. I was always wondering about what others thought of me. I felt like no one liked me and I was always questioning every little thing I did or said and could only think of negative thoughts about myself. Like I was fat, ugly, dumb, not good enough. No one cared about me and that people only told me things they wanted me to hear. I thought they only said they loved or cared about me because they felt bad for me. For the life of me, I could not understand what was going on, mentally or physically, and I felt like I was the only one. No way could there be someone in the world who felt what I did or had these thoughts too. These were my first experiences with anxiety, depression, and OCPD. Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder. 
At the age of 16, my grandmother and mom started becoming concerned for my mental health as they were noticing I was becoming more isolated than usual, such as wanting to be in my room during family gatherings, becoming more irritable, and not eating very much. It was at this time where I was taken to therapy for the first time. I really did not like it at all and felt in a way forced to be there, and I did not understand why I was there. I felt like there was nothing wrong with me and that they were getting into my business. I also felt like everyone was against me. It was during seeing this therapist where it was the first time someone had described me as having mild anxiety. To me, anxiety was just a feeling, and at that point, I did not fully understand what it meant. I remember being put on medication and not being able to feel anything, almost numb. I remembered I stopped taking medication without my therapist and psychiatrist's approval, which is something that I do not recommend. I do not remember why I stopped going to therapy. I think it was because I was not ready to seek help, and like others, I did not see what everyone else did. But things only went downhill from there. There was a time where I came home and I had a bad panic attack. I remember crying hysterically to the point where I could not catch my breath or stop. My mom and dad held me as they asked if I wanted to be taken to urgent care. I finally said yes. I remember screaming and crying and having doctors and nurses surrounding me. They kept telling me to relax and breathe. They had mentioned that if I do not stop, I could cause my body harm, which to me did not seem like a bad thing. I eventually stopped and was able to go back home, but that was not the last time where I would find myself at a doctor's office. As I got closer to 17, that is when I started experiencing depression and suicidal ideation. I remember feeling as if me not being on this earth would be more of a positive thing for those around me. My parents would save money on having to buy food and clothes for one child instead of two, and maybe they would feel like they could relax, as I was probably causing more trouble anyhow. My teachers would have one less homework assignment to grade, and others would not be able to stop having to try and act like they liked me. It felt as if I was doing everyone a favor by not being here anymore. I felt as if all I wanted to do was sleep, which made me want to take things such as Advil, NyQuil, and melatonin. I knew I wanted to hurt myself, but it wasn't until I got older where I actually remembered thinking of how I wanted to hurt myself by wanting to overdose on medication. I remember my mom and cousin taking me to the hospital and being in a room with the worker and her mentioning about how I do so well in school. On one hand, I was taken back and mad. What does my academics have to do with how I'm feeling? Well, on the other hand, it brought me back to how I used to think of myself, that since I do well in school, there is not a problem and I am just being a crybaby over nothing and that there's nothing for me to be upset about. I continued the next few years worrying all the time and I found myself feeling more alone and even sadder, especially during the winter months. During my time at community college, I remember taking a psychology course and seeing that word again, anxiety. It was at this moment where it clicked, where I realized anxiety is not just a word to use in place of the word anxious, but a mental illness. Things started to make sense. I was not going crazy, and what I had been going through had words to them. A year or two later, this also made me feel more open and ready to see a counselor. I began using the free counseling services at the university, 
and this time around was so much different and better than when I was 16. It was also during my time at Grandview University where for the first time in my life, I met other people like me, others who are diagnosed with anxiety, depression, or other diagnoses, others who had been or were currently on medication and who made me feel not alone. I remember hearing about some of their experiences and I was finally feeling as if I was able to finally relate to someone. Today, in addition to being on two medications, I have been seeing a therapist on a weekly basis and it has been going very well. Some things that have helped me with my mental health are journaling nightly, going on walks around my neighborhood or at the gym depending on the weather, and listening to music and podcasts, as well as watching some of my favorite YouTubers. When I find myself having an anxiety attack, it also helps me to write out how I'm feeling in that moment. Go on a walk while listening to music, talk to or message a friend, and do breathing techniques suggested by my therapist. I've also been using the Voice Memos app on my phone, and I start talking out loud. Sometimes I will talk about what's going on in my body, how I'm feeling, or whatever it was that ended up triggering me. And eventually, I start feeling better after a few minutes of recording myself. I also record myself when I'm feeling positive and energetic, so that way I can always go back and listen to them later. I also now find myself being able to argue with myself in a positive way this time. When I think about something negative, I can talk myself out of it by focusing on the reality or fact-checking myself. I talk to myself in a way I would want someone I care about to talk to themselves. If I could go back and tell myself anything, it would be that however I am feeling, it will get better. What you are and have been feeling have words to them. Anxiety and depression. I know you think no one understands or that you are the only one in the world to feel and have these thoughts in your head, but you are not. There are going to be so many people that you're going to meet just like you. And just because you have a home, a two-parent household, do well in school, and that others have it worse than you, it does not mean that you cannot still experience anxiety and depression. The things that you have experienced are not dumb, stupid, and you are not being dramatic. Your feelings are valid. I now know that I am not alone, and I hope that sharing my story, specifically as someone from the Latinx community, that some parts of it becomes relatable and gives hope to those listening. Thank you, Vanessa. You can read more stories just like Vanessa's on the stories page of the Make It Okay website. Find it at makeitokay.org backslash Iowa. Anxiety, depression, and obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, like Vanessa experiences, are common. Here to tell us more about these conditions is Dr. Eric Barlow with Clive Behavioral Health in partnership with Mercy One. My name is Dr. Eric Barlow, and I am a psychiatrist at Clive Behavioral Health Hospital in partnership with Mercy One. The more we can understand mental illness and common conditions, the more we can talk about it, reduce the stigma, and make it okay. I'm here to share some common signs, symptoms, and treatments for issues you just heard about, anxiety disorders and depression. I will also share with you some information about suicidal ideation. Anxiety is a mental health disorder characterized by feelings of worry, anxiety, or fear 
that are strong enough to interfere with one's daily activities. Examples of anxiety disorders include panic attacks, extreme social anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, phobias, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, and every year, anxiety disorders affect 40 million adults ages 18 and older, or about 18% of the United States population. Anxiety disorders are highly treatable, yet only about one-third of those suffering receive treatment. And over a third of people living with anxiety experienced their serious symptoms for over 10 years before they ever sought help. Anxiety disorders develop from a complex set of risk factors, including genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events, including childhood abuse. It is important to differentiate these anxiety disorders from normal stress. Everyone experiences stress at one time or another. Stress is our body's natural response to a specific threat in a specific situation. Anxiety, however, is an ongoing reaction, even when the specific situation is not present. Anxiety is stress that is out of proportion to the impact of the event, an inability to set aside a worry and restlessness. Like Vanessa experienced, it's not uncommon for someone with an anxiety disorder to also suffer from depression or vice versa. Nearly one half of those diagnosed with depression are also diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Some common symptoms of depression include feelings of sadness, tearfulness, emptiness, or hopelessness, angry outbursts, irritability, or frustration, loss of interest or pleasure in most or all normal activities, inability to sleep or sleeping too much, and fatigue and lack of energy. For many people with depression, symptoms usually last two weeks or more and are severe enough to cause noticeable problems in day-to-day -day activities. If you or someone you know is experiencing symptoms of anxiety or depression, please know you are not alone and help is available. So reach out. Reach out to a loved one or a trusted friend. Make an appointment with a physician or therapist. It is always okay to ask for help. Some of the types of treatment your physician may suggest could include therapy, medication, and complementary treatments like managing diet and exercise, journaling, and practicing relaxation techniques like yoga and meditation. Sometimes, as Vanessa described, people experiencing anxiety disorders and depression begin to have thoughts of suicide or taking your own life. Suicidal thoughts have many causes. Most often, suicidal thoughts are the result of feeling like you can't cope when you're faced with what seems to be an overwhelming life situation. If you are thinking of hurting yourself immediately or have a plan to hurt yourself, reach out right now to a suicide hotline. Your Life Iowa is a 24-7 crisis hotline in the state of Iowa. Call them at 1-855-581-8111. Remember, suicidal feelings are temporary. If you feel hopeless or that life's not worth living anymore, remember that treatment can help you regain your perspective and life will get better. Take one step at a time and don't act impulsively. Thank you, Dr. Barlow, for helping us better understand these conditions. 
and a special thanks to Mercy One for providing the segments from your mental health care experts. While mental illnesses are common and treatable, many people are still afraid to talk about mental illness due to shame, misunderstanding, negative attitudes, and fear of discrimination. The goal of Make It Okay is to end the stigma. To learn more about Make It Okay, visit makeitokay.org backslash Iowa for resources, including tips for talking about mental illness and links to become a Make It Okay ambassador or to get your workplace involved. We've also got links to mental health support and crisis lines if you or someone you know is struggling with mental illness. Want to help us stop the stigma? Take the online pledge to Make It Okay. You can find it at makeitokay.org backslash Iowa. Thank you for listening to this episode of Make It Okay Stories, the podcast. Please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. Together, we can make it okay. This podcast is supported by Business Solver.